and welcome to Podcasting Curious with your host, me, Galena Ravina. Uh, thank you so much for joining me this week. I'm doing another episode with a guest, um, which is great because you guys don't have to listen to me ramble confused for 40 minutes and I don't have to do it. So that that's a huge plus for me and you both. Um, I'm really excited. I have my friend on today, um, hilarious comedian Jeffrey Baldinger. Hi, welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Thank you for being here. How have you been? I've been okay, you know. Um, this is uh, You're the first person I've talked to uh, out loud, not via text, in a literal week. So that's... No, uh, no it's true. It's true. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, well, because it was raining mm-hmm. the past few days, and that just made me turn off all the lights and just... Uh, <laughs> And hunker on down, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I haven't left my apartment in a while. This is getting too sad. Um, <laughs> but I've but been that gets okay. weird, though. I know what you mean when I've just been, like, texting people all day, and you get to a point, and you're like, oh, no, I haven't spoken today. And if it wasn't for my having yeah. a dog, I would maybe would have reasons to not even, like, use my voice for the day. Yeah. And that's such a weird feeling when you're like, oh, I'm making noise for the first time today. It is weird because I have to like announce things so I remember what human voice sounds like, even if it's only my own. You know, I have to just like, I need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I am going to the kitchen to eat something. Like, I have to do that. Uh, and what's typically what'll happen is my niece will call me and uh, we'll have like a FaceTime chat or whatever. But she was visiting uh, her grandparents in Missouri oh. uh, for the past like week and so two different worlds you know (laughs) mom's side dad's side so when she's with mom's side of the family she's all on board with them which is absolutely what she should be doing Mm -hmm. but that means I don't get the daily call oh no I don't have the like somebody who's talking to me (laughs) so it's just like I'm just like okay so I don't have the call so I like today is Tuesday right Mm -hmm. Tuesday is it? Yeah, it is. It, it is, is Tuesday. Tuesday. It's Tuesday. See, even I had to think about it, and I'm doing stuff. Because I had, I woke up this morning, and I was, I thought to myself, is it still Tuesday, oh, or no. is it Tuesday again? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because I fell asleep on a Tuesday. That mm-hmm. was the last time I spoke to anybody out loud, which was last Tuesday. Oh, you're not kidding. I'm not kidding. You should have texted <laughs> me or something. We could have I would have, but I was in this state of. I don't know what to do. You know what? You know what that happens when you're just like, I don't know what to do mm-hmm. with communication right now. I don't know. It's. I feel like quarantine has been okay overall for yeah. me, but um, it's like that uh, scene in Shawshank Redemption where uh, Morgan Freeman reads like, you know, these walls are funny. First you resent them, then you get used to them, then you don't know how you live without them. That's oh, been wow. my experience. <laughs> That's a D- and that's my first time hearing that quote because I never saw the movie. So I'm just like <laughs> reacting in real time to that quote and I am just aghast because it it's so real. So real. But <laughs> let me make you feel less crazy right now by telling you that like just before we um, started recording this, I was getting all of these notifications um, on Nextdoor app and Citizen 
which are okay. both like not for healthy people to be on <laughs> either of those apps. Like I know it's such a red flag that I'm on them. I, it doesn't help my anxiety. It just fuels it if anything, but I'm like addicted to it in this weird way where I'm like, yep. I love the drama. Show me all the neighborhood drama. <laughs> what is on fire so I can go drive by it and feel better. You read the comments before you watch the video is what you're saying. I do read comments and there's comments on Citizen and Nextdoor and that's like part of the gold of being on there. What are those comments like? Are like the craziest people and so you know you're just gonna have something really good to read. But what I saw today was um, first, okay, so first I saw it on Citizen app and then I got an email about it on Nextdoor. (laughs) There's a group of... 20 people, according to one of the apps, it was 20 people, were going up and down all the grocery stores on 3rd, like between um, Fairfax and La Brea. So Uh if you're familiar with Los Angeles, it's like, what would you call that? Like Miracle Mile or Fairfax District? Miracle Mile adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of of ritzy grocery stores over there. Anyway, it was a mob of 20 people. They might have hit the Gelson's. I know they They hit. They have a big Ralph's. There's a okay, so the Ralphs and the Trader Joe's across from it, and the Erwan that's by the Grove all got hit by this gang of twenty people who are anti-maskers who went to oh each of those God. stores just to fight the employees. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Oh, it is because you're like, oh, these twenty people, like, regardless of what I'm going through, I'm not where they are. Because imagine yeah. you have to be with yourself that you're like. I'm going to join up with 19 other people and go fight the cash register guy at Trader Joe's. Like what? Those are the, those are the people that are the epitome of, I refuse to look inward. Everything (laughs) is, I, I, I can't stand quarantine because it makes me look within myself to see what's Mm -hmm. actually wrong. I have to look at outward forces that are, that, that I'm the victim. And so that it's everybody else's fault. It's, it's certainly nothing uh, repressed in my in my history, no, 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 it's, no. It's I'm gonna clearly, go fight. <laughs> it's clearly the the cashier at Ralph's. That's the yeah. problem. That's that's the issue. Oh man, and it's like, what these cashiers have they not been through enough? Like you're gonna pick on essential workers right now, really? It's insane that oh. the amount of videos you see on like TikTok or Instagram or mm-hmm. any of these videos where it's the people who are just compl- like yelling, it's like I have a right. To, you are discriminating me against. You are discriminating against me for not wearing my mask inside, and it's a health issue. And I'm going to call the cops on you. And it's like, you never clear. You clearly never had a problem with the no shirt, no shoes, no service policy. Yeah. But I, it's the same policy. It's, it's the, the same exact policy. same policy. You wouldn't walk it's outside. Like, order your get an Instacart account. Have Seriously. Your delivered. You don't have to. If you don't want to wear a mask to the store, I get it. But then just don't go to the store. It's like, look, I don't wear pants for me. Sure. You know, like I, it's for everybody else. It's like have that sense of decency. Like, hey, it's not about if you're uh, alone, don't wear a mask. Fine. Yeah. You know, if you're alone, fine. But if you're going to a public place, follow the rules of the establishment that you're going into. It's a private it's a private establishment. I just can't believe right. This is the kind of thing that I would have expected to happen over the summer, but this is happening like we're recording this the week between um Christmas and New Year's when there's literally been the most infections, mm-hmm. like and, the most. And the fact that we just 
I think we just got awarded. We're number. We're the epicenter. We're, we're number, number one, one in spreading. We're number one in spreading positivity, uh-huh. which is something that we're always like. It's always happy for me to hear like, "Hey, spread that positivity like a virus." You know, um, it's it's super good. Uh, no negative uh, results here, but it's like we just the uh, news just came out that we're the epicenter. You know, mm-hmm. like we're the epicenter of the virus. And it's like they should be arrested for um like no biological terrorism like these 20 people. Yeah, it's that I I said like I tweeted out today just because uh everyone has a right to their opinion doesn't mean everyone's opinion is right. Yeah. And it's like that's it's such a simple concept. You can acknowledge that other people have completely different opinions then you can be like, yeah, I get it that like Everybody has their own opinions. Everybody's perspective is unique. And like, hey, think of it from other people's point of view. But it's like, you know, from my point of view, the terrorists are the freedom fighters. And, the, you know, like, it's, it's all this, it's all this, like, it's first year philosophy rhetoric. That yes. It's like, yeah, these are philosophical questions. And it's like, yeah, learn empathy, learn perspective, learn other people grow up differently than other people you know it's like that's it's all important but it's also important to recognize uh the health of the society that you live in and to be able to function as a society it can't be chaos but that is so anti-american because we just want our freedom (laughs) we just want our freedom well we want it as long as it doesn't infringe on our day-to-day life right this has been the first time in so many, what has been so incredible about this pandemic in 2020 as a whole, just to like wrap it up is this is the first time we're seeing a lot of people have to be inconvenienced in any way. This is <laughs> the this first is, experience they've had with not getting what they want and it is not going over well. It's unfortunate that the name An Inconvenient Truth has already been taken right. uh, as a movie title because when the movie comes out about this pandemic, that's, I mean, that is the proper title for it. Uh, I never saw the movie, but I, I've heard some things. Uh, I heard that it was all right uh, about the, quote, climate crisis. <laughs> well, you know I haven't seen it because I haven't seen most movies. I'm very behind the movies. No, it's okay. You see the movies that you want to see. That's, you know, I watched nobody, nobody Titanic. Can see everything. Well, you know, the Fast and Furious movies repeatedly. And that is what matters. I don't now, have let a me lot ask of range. you this. Let me I'm ask you okay this. With it. It, that's fine. You don't need a lot of range. You just need a lot of talking points. You don't need yeah. to know this is the this is the age of reading the headline and assuming. It's like I get the gist of what it's trying to say. And mm-hmm. you read enough headlines and sporadically enough articles to read what the headline is clickbaiting you to get. It's like, okay, this it's probably not as bad as the headline's making it out to. You can get the gist of it. By going like, oh, they probably said something offhand like, you know, I don't wear a mask in my house. So-and-so is anti-mask because of f- personal freedom. It's like, well, you know, that's not really what they said. But I get the gist of what you're trying to do. Um, let me ask you this, because you do only watch a few movies. Specifically, you watch the Fast and the Furious fa- franchise, like, mm-hmm. a lot. Like, a you lot. watch it over and over again. Like, you probably know each movie word for word. I'm assuming, but like you probably could, you probably like 
if somebody was like, oh, you remember this part in the movie? And they kind of described it. Uh-huh. And you're like, well, actually, that's not exactly what happened. This is exactly <laughs> what I, like, that's probably what you would do. Um, Which is not like a skill set that I intentionally became braggadocious about. But here we are. Here we are. And it's here's one my of those things where I'm like, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm not. <laughs> right. So here's my question to you. Are you a gatekeeper fan? What does that mean? So that means like when somebody else says like, oh, yeah, I like those movies. Are you like, oh, awesome. Me too. Or are you like, really? Oh, I do you, see. Do you test other people who say that they're fans? No, I do not. I am not okay. a gatekeeper fan because I love for people to get excited about something I'm excited about, even if they're not a little bit on my level. Okay. Um, because here's why. Because I like things. <laughs> and this, it's so perfect that we're talking about this. <laughs> some of the things that I like, some people might dismiss as embarrassing or um, shallow or you know, not being mm-hmm. very highbrow entertainment, but that's part of what's fun for me about it is like, yep. I love it because it's not highbrow because it's so ridiculous. It's so corny there. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and shit on the scripts, but you're not going in there thinking it's going to get an Academy Award. Like you right. know what you're getting when exactly. you watch that type of movie. And, and you love cars. Of it. Right. Say that last part again. Like that's the fun of it for me is that it's so not, you know, something that I can question people because what you're saying, right. if I were like a gatekeeper fan, I would have to ask like deep, meaningful questions of, Oh, you know, do you love it so much? Like, tell me what your favorite car right. chase scene is. Like, I you ask that. test questions and it's yeah. not like, and they're not test questions in the sense that they're, they're litmus test questions. So like if you were a gatekeeper fan or whatever, and the first question you might ask somebody is like, oh, yeah, when you say, like, yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, Fast and the Furious movie. And, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of their franchise. And somebody goes, oh, yeah, me too. Your gatekeeper first question was like, oh, what's your favorite movie in the franchise? <laughs> uh-huh. And you'd say it like that. Like, seems innocuous enough. Yeah. But based on your answer, I'm going to know so much about you. Uh-huh. And I'm going to know exactly why you think that. And I'm going to have all these assumptions and be like, Yeah. Go figure, like, oh, you like Tokyo Drift. You're one of those fans. Or are, are, are you like, uh, are you like Fast 8? Okay. Uh-huh. okay, you're you're a newbie. Okay, you'll you'll get on my level sometime. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, or or they're like, I like the first one. It's like, oh, a traditionalist. Okay, yeah, you don't uh, you don't ex- you don't read the expanded universe. All right, come talk to me when you've read the uh, fanfic on uh, the original. Uh, you know, something like that. Are you saying I should become, what I'm hearing is that I should work my way into being a gatekeeper type fan? Because Not at all. Weird. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I'm saying that that is the worst type of fan. It That's, is, it's, though. You're it's right. It's a fan that makes it impossible to want to be fans. And mm-hmm. certain uh, topics uh, invite those types of fans. Like Star Wars has those yes. types of fans. Yes. Uh, um, most... Things that are mainstream popular do have those types of... The Beatles have those types of fans. And I'm not proud about it, but when I was, you know, in my high school to early college career, I was a gatekeeper Beatle fan. Like, that's what I I was. You're apologizing here today. I am, because it's one of those things where I was for, like... I I was probably a gatekeeper fan for, like, from... 
18 to 21. That's when I was that's when I was a gatekeeper fan. After How that, did you I one? <laughs> well, it was just one of those things where it's like I just didn't believe people who said they liked the Beatles. Hmm. Because I was like, oh, you're just one of those people who says they like the Beatles because you don't actually know anything about the Beatles, though. Mm-hmm. You just are like, yeah, the Beatles. That's, it's a simple answer. And it, it's like the simplest answer to give when you, people are like, oh, what's your favorite band? The Beatles. Very original. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you like the most popular band of all time? That, okay, that tells me nothing about you. You know, it's like, it's almost the same thing as saying I don't like the Beatles because mm-hmm. you like the Beatles. That doesn't give you a personality just like saying you don't like the Beatles doesn't make you interesting you know it's like you're just saying you don't like them because everybody does Mm -hmm. or you're saying you like them because it's the I don't know whatever so at the time I was like but I actually know about the Beatles like I actually am a fan I actually do like it was that mentality but then I met somebody like me and I was like is this what I'm doing oh gross this is gross. Tell me about I, that moment. I'm going to stop this. <laughs> when did you get put in your place? And and how did this person do it? Because that's really funny that you got slapped into calming down with the game. <laughs> well, it's funny because they they didn't know more than me. They, like, knew answers. Mm-hmm. Like, they, would, they gave me test questions. And I was like, are you... T- this is what... Is this what I'm doing to people? Because this is <laughs> disgusting right now, what you're doing. And it was this moment of we were at a house party as my juniorish year of college, mm-hmm. and you know Beatles came on the you know the player or whatever and and I was like bopping my head and somebody was like you like the Beatles and I was like yeah I love you know it's a yeah, favorite band ever. yeah it's I I like them yeah you know, I tried to stop stay calm you know I was like <laughs> I'm like. I wasn't going to freak out. I was like, yeah, I like the Beatles. What the fuck is your problem? Like, of course I like the Beatles. Uh, I was like, yeah, I like the Beatles. And they're like, what's your favorite album? Oh. And it's one of those things where it's like, I knew what they were doing immediately. And I got so <laughs> mad. I was you like, went on the defense. You're like, I, I will like, go toe to toe with you about this Beatles. Like, you want, like, because then I had to test them. I was uh-huh. like, I was like, oh, what's my favorite album? I like them all. Oh no, that's, that answer. <laughs> that's what that's what I said. I like that's them the all. The type of answer that would infuriate the type of person that would ask that type of question. Exactly, exactly. And I saw it in their eyes, and Ooh. they're like, they're like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, of course they're all great, but the later albums are are masterpieces. You know, it's like they what really started. Sh- they they really started showcasing their real talent when it was like sergeant pepper the the b-side of abbey road man that's the masterpiece that's the masterpiece and i was like oh you think their only greatness was the b-side of abbey road you think that and like i started doing that to them and it was just this this gatekeeper off (laughs) it's just like seeing that they were by the way like let's not skip over how nerdy this is no matter what the subject matter absolutely isn't even like the nerdiest thing it's just such a good example no. of this but you could do this even with like for MMA. Fast and the Furious for MMA for literally yeah. anything yeah and um, it just becomes so dorky when you're like I'm about to read the back of the statistics card that I memorized to you exactly so, and the other okay, thing the other thing about that 
literally statistics card is like we're speaking facts about the most popular band in the world very easy information to get a hold of like super easy information to get a hold of but it's just this thing and then they go well do you know the meaning of this song oh no and they they started testing me on that and i and that that was the moment when they asked me like do you know what julia is about Mm -hmm. and i just like at that moment i was just like you know what I concede. I'm just going to give one-word answers from now on. Julia is about John's mom. I didn't give him a follow-up answer, mm-hmm. you know? They're like, oh, but, you know, what about uh, Martha, my dear? You know what that one's about? Paul's dog. <laughs> but those are actually answers from, like, somebody that knows. Right, and that's when, that was the moment that I was like, this is insane. If this is how I have ever been to somebody, and I don't think I was ever that intense, mm-hmm. my gatekeeping was more of like eye rolls and just like, oh yeah, I bet you like the psychedelic stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's because that was the like the change in innovation mm-hmm. during the '60s. Like when they came, it was like the Beach Boys, the Beatles, Motown, uh, all of that uh, change came in like '66, you know, '65, '66 when Rubber Soul, Revolver, and uh, Sgt. Pepper came out, 65, 66, and 67, along with Beach Boys, Pet Sounds, um, was like this huge innovation in music. So it's like it changed the game. And so a lot of people go to there as far as like, oh my God, this is what proved the Beatles were amazing. And it was just like, it's a very easy, it's a very easy answer mm-hmm. to go like, hey, where where is, you know, what era of the Beatles do you like the most? And it's like, yeah, you can love that stuff. And it is highly innovative and amazing. And I love that era. And Rubber Soul is probably my favorite album. But um, you can't ignore the early stuff. In my mind, I'm like, the early stuff is amazing too because of the melodic and uh, rhythm and innovation in just general pop music of that time. Mm-hmm. Like Paul's melodic bass line. It was hugely innovative, and Ringo's drumming combined big band swing and country rhythm rock into a pop band, and, and John Paul, obviously, were amazing uh, singer-songwriters, and George's uh, was great as well. Um, this is like all this stuff that, in my mind, back then, I was like, you hated other fans. <laughs> Why? Does it make you feel closer to the Beatles somehow? That you like- because you want to own them. Like as a a fan, you want to like it's your your ownership. It's the same thing with like Star Wars fans. Who's like, not my prequels, not my sequels, (laughs) not blah 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 blah. blah. I really know what's going on. Uh I am the I am the decider. You know that's why they're fan. Fan is short for fanatic. Oh, okay. That's like I think I knew that, but just didn't conscientiously think about it. Yeah, and so like the past few years, I've been very very careful about not using the term I'm a fan of something unless I'm like mm-hmm. fanatic about that information like I'm a fan of the Beatles I know too much about them mm-hmm. I've calmed down in my gatekeeperness. Yeah. I definitely am like because to me it's like the more people know the better um, because I think they're important in uh, the history I, I think uh, obviously and it, again like this isn't my like I think they're important it's like they are important. You do, and they are. And, and I, I do think that I agree with that thought, that mm-hmm. collective thought. It's not my own. That collective thought I agree with. 
that the Beatles are important. But what it's strikes like, me is that you uh, said earlier, you're like, oh, well, everyone can say, of course, it's your favorite band. It's the most popular band in the world. But I don't even think that like if I if someone today told me that the Beatles are their favorite band, I would be like, oh, you must actually be a legitimate fan because it's not so much like I'm the zeitgeist right now and hasn't been in a long time. So if someone were to say that they like them, it's like they're actively seeking them out because they're not just, you know, popular. They're not in the news. They're not current. That's fascinating to me. And that proves how in the Beatles world I am because that's Mm. the news that I see about like Paul McCartney just released a third, you know, another album that reached the top of the charts in the UK I didn't know he was even alive still. So that's how we're on different pages. 78 years old and kicking. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Him and Ringo, the only two left alive. Ringo is 80, 80 years young. Yeah, the fact that you know their ages. Like, I don't even know some of my family members' ages. I know their ages, their birthdays, (laughs) and two of their death days. It's insane. And I wish I didn't admit that, but I do. Uh, When I I did my uh, Europe tour... Mm-hmm. I stopped in Liverpool, took the Magical Mystery Tour, visited <laughs> uh, all of their houses, mm-hmm. all of them. I uh, visited Eleanor Rigby's grave, which... Who is that? Eleanor Rigby was the sub... So it's kind of weird coincidence, and I don't know if I believe the story or not, but uh, Eleanor Rigby is a song written by Paul McCartney in the Beatles era, Um and it was just like, what he says is just like, that was the name that fit the melody that he had. Mm-hmm. Eleanor Rigby. But then there was a grave, like there's a cemetery in Liverpool that there's a grave with the name Eleanor Rigby on it. Oh, and wow. And it was like, that, so random, so crazy, so weird coincidence or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe that it was like literally coincidence. I think maybe... He had seen it as a child, and it just kind of stuck with him. That's how he came up with it. But, again, that's just speculative headcanon. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but, yeah, so, like, visited the grave, visited Penny Lane, visited uh, Strawberry Fields. Uh, and then when I was in London, I visited Abbey Road and Abbey Road Studios. Like, the whole, the whole deal. But you went out of your way to, like, specifically take Beatles-related tours. Do you yes. have a lot of memorabilia of theirs, then? Are you I don't have a lot collector? of memorabilia. I mean, I have a lot of their records. Mm-hmm. Um, I have all of their albums on, you know, online, like streaming and like on iTunes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I have most of their records. I have this poster of Abbey Road, The, nice. the Walk. I have some uh, um, Micro Machines vans of uh, their albums, uh, The Beatles, Meet the Beatles. Magical Mystery Tour, Rubber Soul, and Sgt. Pepper's, and the White Album. Um, and then I got my niece a present of a stuffed Blue Meanie, which is the villain from the movie Yellow Submarine. Cute. <laughs> it's, uh, it's awesome. And, uh, yeah, so, like, that, you know, so I don't have, like, anything of like intrinsic value like i'm not a memorabilia collector Mm -hmm. just have things that are you know like i have a poster of the beatles i have some albums and that's that's it like there are some beatles fans who like this is the bass that paul mccartney played at the (laughs) shea stadium concert 
I paid $2 million for it, mm-hmm. and I will never play it. It will sit behind a glass case, and it will, you know, this will be buried with me. You know, like, yeah. stuff like that. I'm not that guy, never going to be that guy. But uh, Would you be that guy opportunistically? Let's say, like, money wasn't an object. Would you be that guy? Because I feel like those guys are that way because, like, somehow having that bass guitar makes him feel closer to the band i guess yeah i would i go back and forth on that Mm -hmm. because i would want a replica of the bit like if i bought a bass i would want it to be a hoffner bass even though they're not the best bass guitars because Mm -hmm. i like the way it looks it's like this is awesome kind of like cool because it's like the beatles or whatever Mm -hmm. or like getting a rickenbacker guitar or something like that um, but my only issue with getting the actual thing is I would feel bad because it should belong to Paul. Mm, I see. Even if it's something that he's choosing, like, let's say he has a thing, he doesn't want it. He wants it to have this, that's, this where he sells that's different. For if it was like for charity, mm-hmm. you know, that's a different story. But if like, if it was like, if I could get it somehow, yeah, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to take it and it's going to be mine. You know, it's, it's like, I would want, you know, it's like, I want the home run ball to go to the player who hit the home run. I want the, you know, the ball game to go to the guy who won the winning touchdown. I want yeah. that, like, they earned it. I didn't like, I'm just a fan. I just like their music. Like they deserve the prize. You know what I mean? Um, Even if they want to, pay it forward again if they are like doing it as a charity thing Mm -hmm. i support that and i would bid on it i wouldn't i i would absolutely bid on something like that if money wasn't an object or Mm -hmm. like i mean i'd still bid on it just like uh, (laughs) see if i can get it for like 20 bucks i don't know (laughs) i'll put the first bid in very easy (laughs) it'll be very easy to outbid me i'm horrible on ebay um so you would get an instrument then or is there anything else would you get like a suit that they were like what kinds of memorabilia do you think would be like funny for people to get or or like interesting for people to get i would you know like i would love uh you know the the sergeant pepper suits uh, any of these uh these outfits oh yeah right there the white the clothes suits, are so iconic clothes the beetle the gray beetle suits the beetle boots i mean if money was no object as far as like i mean Again, it's a little different because I also love costumes. <laughs> <laughs> I just like having an range of costumes. Yeah. You know, like I have a killer whale costume. And I'm not saying like it's a it's a killer whale. It's an orca costume, mm-hmm. not a not like a sick. It's a pretty cheap killer whale costume. Um, and like a jumpsuit. I have a chicken suit. I have a, a sleeveless sport coat costume with a mullet and a nascar wig dazzled <laughs> it's all like i have costumes so i would want the costumes just mm-hmm. because like this would be a fun thing to just have um but i wouldn't pay a lot of money for them fair i wouldn't go out of, like i would want the sergeant pepper outfits but if they were more than 50 dollars, which they would be they're mm-hmm. like you know, they would be like five hundred to five thousand dollars, depending on the condition. Right. Uh, no, thank you. No. Nah. And that's even if I had the money. It's like, 
what am I going to do? Like, yeah. I'm not going to, I know that they existed. I, that's happy for me. I don't need, I don't need to own them. You know, it's yeah. like, what I, what I do love is unique, uh, original stuff. Like this picture, uh, Ray Charles, um, buddy of mine painted, Jeremy Scipio, you know him, yes. uh, painted this. And I love it, not only because it's amazing, but it's like, it's one of a kind. It's the only, it's the only picture of its kind. Yeah. And that's what I love. So it's like, if I could have like somebody do a painting of them or, you know, this sort of like, that's what I, that's the type of stuff that I love. Like I met a guy whose dad was the photographer for the album cover, uh, Band on the Run, which was one of Paul's um, uh, solo albums. Oh, that's a and, smile. Yeah. And for my dad's birthday, I asked him if he could give me a print of any McCartney or Lennon or Harrison or Ringo, like mm-hmm. any picture that he took that was never published. Mm-hmm. And just so I, and he did. And it was like that, that that's to me special. is the unique, you know, it's like this one was never in any magazine, never mm-hmm. in any publication. It's a you completely wholly unique picture that was just on a, you know, roll of film that this guy never developed. And it was like, that's awesome that I was able that's to really do that. That's smart that you even thought to ask for something like that. Yeah, I mean, it was literally like, I met him, like, one of the best guys I know, his mm-hmm. dad, you know, is also just super nice and generous. He actually took a picture of me that I've used as a headshot before because, <laughs> like, this guy is fucking nice. incredible. And he just, like, was, I was eating lunch with him and his son, and he just had his camera with him, like, smile. You know, it's like, this is the best picture that's ever been taken of me uh, at the time. And uh, it was like coming up on my dad's birthday. And I was like, you know what he would, I don't know. I don't even know if this exists, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to ask. And it's like, is there any picture of any of the Beatles that you have that I could, uh, you know, have? (laughs) And so that, and it was great. You know, my dad loved it because he's, you know, he's the one that got me into the Beatles in the first place. And, oh, okay. I didn't you know. know that. Yeah, I mean, that you know, he didn't get me into him like, you have to listen to this, and like, mm-hmm. these are, this is real music. Like, he was never like that. He just listened to them all the time. Yeah, so, like, when he would drive me places, and it was just, like, the music that I knew about. And I was so not active in music consumption. Mm. Whatever was just given to me was, like, all right, this is the music that I'm listening to. And I just started liking it. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's like with the Beatles, Dylan, the Stones, Simon and Garfunkel, the Doors, uh, the Who, you know, later on Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, classic, classic rock mm-hmm. era, you know. And then through my brother, I was gotten to the more contemporary stuff. He was always actively searching out new music. And that's where I would get, you know, classic older brother to the younger brother. I was never the, have you heard of this? Mm. It was always like, hey, listen to this. It was like, okay, cool. You were never um, the have you heard of this, but then you became the tell me your favorite album guy. What a transition. <laughs> I never asked that question, though. Oh, okay. I, so what were the gatekeeping? What, what hate, would you ask when you were, like, bullying other Beatles fans? It was never. I was never the bully. I was always the non-believer. Mm. I was the eye roller. I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> You know, I, I was always like, my gatekeeping was was just a matter of like, yeah, if you know so, like in my head, if you know so much, tell me who Stu Sutcliffe is. 
Mm. <laughs> it's like that sort of thing. And yeah. for anybody who doesn't know, Stu, Cup, Stu Sutcliffe was one of the original uh, Beatles in, in their iteration from 1957 to 1961. Uh, he was the bass player. He unfortunately died of a brain tumor back in 1960. And uh, he had quit the band before that. Uh, he didn't ever, like really play an instrument it's just he was one of john's art school friends that john wanted to be in the group uh and he ended up like have musical talent that's interesting he could like he could play the bass okay simply but like it was just because nobody else wanted to play the bass um like why is that such a ogre like black sheep of the band instrument because uh, i don't know like i love the bass i think it's you know it's the bass and the drums are the backbone of any band, I yeah. I believe. And um, are you saying I that say, it's kind of like the brakes on a car, like a really fast car? I the, the yes, I would say that if I don't. Here's the thing: I don't know anything. If you're gonna get, keep me on cars, that's you're perfectly valid in doing that. I know nothing. I won't about let that cars. be this episode. I <laughs> I, I am uh, I, I I'll say yes without <laughs> knowing if it's really accurate as to what sure. I'm saying. Um, but like, I think the idea of the bass is just like, people want to be the front man and very rarely is the bass player or the drummer, the front man of the mm-hmm. band. It's either the, it's the lead guitarist or the rhythm guitarist is the front man. You know, it's like, I don't know who the first lead singer bass guitarist was like, solo like paul mccartney was a lead singer of the beatles Mm -hmm. him and john were the two lead singers and paul played the bass obviously but i don't know who the first like solo lead singer of a band was that played the bass if anybody does know write it in the comments uh but the most famous one in my uh in what i think is like probably sting from the police he you Mm -hmm. know he played bass he was lead singer. And then as far as drums goes, like, very rarely was there a drummer lead singer, like uh, well, Don Henley or Phil Collins. Because you're not singing on the same, like, you're not singing to the drums. Right. And it's it's very uh, syncopated. You know, so you're doing four different things with all of your hands and feet, and then right. you also have to sing a melody. It's very, you know, if you don't know, if you don't know the drums... Mm-hmm. impeccably it's going to be hard to do it at the same time it's i mean to a lot of people it is very hard to play and sing at the same time and um, i would think that th- just the main singer lead singer is going to get picked based on whose voice is the best not like oh you're not the bass player you're the guitar player like isn't it yeah. just going to go off of who who's our best singer you'd you'd like to think so but it's usually off of who has the biggest ego um, and well, well, did they all kind of and, sing, or only just the two of them sang? Who say that again? Did did they all sing, or just the two of them? They, I mean, they all sang. Um, mm-hmm. George, but the thing about the Beatles was, um, the how they decided who sang was basically whoever took the lead on writing the song mm. is the one who sang. So, like, if it was a John led song, he would sing the lead. If it was Paul led song, he would sing the lead. And if George, uh led song he would sing the lead and then they would just write songs for Ringo to sing 
because um, he was not he was not a songwriter. What's with all this so. shit talking on Ringo? Can can you tell me about that? Because even as Absolutely. like not a huge connoisseur of the Beatles, I'm someone that like same as you. My dad played them. I like the music. I know the hits. Yeah, but I don't really know. Yeah, a whole lot past that. Uh, it's just the the hate on Ringo. It comes down to the fact that a you call him Ringo, and it's a silly, it's a silly name. It's, his real name is Richard Starkey, uh, but you know he wore a lot of rings, so his nickname was Ringo. But um, you're in a band with John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and George Harrison, who are phenomenal songwriters and musicians. They play multiple instruments. They are, you know, I don't want to say prodigious, but they are together. They are. <laughs> some of the best songwriting, you know, say what you want about your tastes, but they created so much content so long. And all Ringo did was play the drums. That's Aww. all, like, that's all he did. He was but just, that's a big job. Was, it's a super important job. And he was an amazing drummer. People shit on him for his drumming. Like he created melodic drum beats. Mm-hmm. Like you could listen to just the drum beats of, any Beatles songs, and you could really like, oh, this is Lady Madonna, this is Let It Be, this is, uh, um, you know, something, this is mm-hmm. uh, um, All My Lovin', you know, like any, they're very distinct and m- melodious drum parts. He wasn't just, but he wasn't fancy, he didn't, like, he was the... Uh, he wasn't crazy. He didn't like to do fills. He didn't like to do anything crazy or, or anything like that. Yeah, but who was doing that back then? Because I feel like the craziest drumming is in like metal bands, and that's obviously so different and so. No, I mean, not had, that time period. You had Keith Moon. You had John Bonham. You had, uh, you know, uh, Buddy Rich, Max Roach, uh, people who were probably technically more proficient and just mm. a lot crazier. Like, you know, like, you know, the character animal on, uh, on, uh, the Muppets. No. Familiar with the Muppets? <laughs> <laughs> Vaguely. Okay. <laughs> that's good. a no. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's a no. That's a no. I'm going to get uh, canceled for not knowing. The <laughs> <laughs> You're familiar with Kermit, Kermit, the frog, Miss yes. Piggy. That's a Muppet. Oh, those are the, mu- those, those are the Muppets. Muppets. Those okay. are the Muppets. Yes. Well, okay. Wow. Wow. Oh, no. Wow. Oh, no. Okay. If I had a producer, I would ask him to cut this, but I don't. We just blew something (laughs) way open here. Oh, no. Wow. Wow. Okay, then I do know the Muppets. Those are the Muppets. No, listen, let me explain myself. Please, you have to now. You have to. You have to. Like, not knowing about the Beatles is one thing. It's like, they are... I know about the Beatles. And that's fine. That's It's like cool but the muppets i mean they i think i they just had a movie they just had a movie here's i thought the muppets for some reason i just had like a brain aneurysm just a miniature one and you said muppets and i thought about like elmo and then i thought about um like something yellow that looks like elmo and i just was thinking of just sesame street characters well those are muppets also Oh, no. Those are all. Those are also Muppets. I mean, those were Sesame Street Muppets, but they were all Jim Henson creations. Oh, oh. Yeah. So the Muppets. Yeah, I would have known that. Sesame Street, the Muppets, Fraggle Rock. Do you know about Fraggle Rock? No, but like proper okay. Muppets, we're talking like Miss proper Piggy, Muppets, Kermit, 
Kermit, Miss Piggy, Rolf, Gonzo. You lost me. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen a Muppet movie? Any of them? I've, I must have seen... You, okay, this is... Mu- I, was it I, a I TV show? It, it was. There was... Because um... I do remember seeing, like, Kermit, Miss Piggy content. Okay, so the original Muppet show uh, was in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Not a big deal if you didn't see that. Obviously, way before either of us were born. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard to see the reruns, you know. An amazing show. It was like a variety show, and it was great. Um, there was one line from one of the Muppets that I love, where it was one of the people in the band, The Electric Mayhem, Floyd Pepper, uh, who said, if I didn't know I was a genius, I'd think my music stunk too. Uh, which I just love that <laughs> line. I was like, that's that's a good line. Um, but so there's the Muppet, uh, the Muppet Show in the seventies, mm-hmm. which had bunch whole ton of guest stars like Elton John was on there, uh, Dean Martin. You know, those are the only two that I can think of right now. Sure. Uh, Mark Hamill, you know, yeah. KD, uh Olivia Newton-John. I remember that. I remember that there were like celebrity cameos. All the, all the celebrities on The Muppet Show, uh, they actually started on SNL. The first Muppets were on the first season of the first five seasons of SNL. Oh. Um, but then they had a movie in 1979 called The Muppet Movie. Mm-hmm. One of the best. Really, really good. Very funny. Holds up. <laughs> um, and they had a string of movies after that, like Muppet Take Manhattan, The Great Muppet Caper. Uh, they did a Christmas Carol, the Muppets Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the best versions of the Christmas of a Christmas Carol. Okay. And uh, one of my favorites, Muppets from Space, hilarious movie. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. Uh, I th- maybe Island I've seen called. that one because I'm like wh- now I'm just trying to remember and struggling where I would have seen them. I mean, well, obviously, there's so many references in pop yeah. culture to like Kermit and Miss Piggy, but I think I would only see them in other stuff because then right. they became like their own celebrities that would do cameos and other movies that had nothing right. to do with Muppets. Yeah. And, um, in the early nineties, there was a, a cartoon show called the Muppet babies. Mm-hmm. Oh, the then that's what I know. From. Muppet babies were yeah. baby, baby Kermit, baby piggy, baby Gonzo. Mm-hmm. Baby Rolf was the piano playing dog. Okay. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and there was a character named animal mm-hmm. who was a drummer who was just kind of, Crazy, like, ah, and wild red hair, wild, like. I remember. And, okay, that, yeah. now I have a visual of Animal. So he was a drummer for the band mm-hmm. The Electric Mayhem, and they based his character off of Keith Moon. Just a big circle back to, <laughs> <laughs> they based Animal off of Keith Moon, who was this wild and crazy drummer that, mm-hmm. it you know, it would sound like two drummers were playing at the same time. He was a drummer for The Who, in the 60s and 70s until he died from drugs. Typical story. Um, but yeah, and so like, there were wild and there were better drummers than Ringo. Mm-hmm. To take it all back to why there's so much hate on Ringo is because right. he was just a drummer. And while that is, there's no shame in that. There's yeah. no, like, it. and he was the perfect drummer for the Beatles. Did he try to write their songs and that maybe he just got left out or didn't want to or was like so selfless that he's like, you guys are good at it. You do it. 
it wasn't I don't think it was a matter of selflessness or like try like he wrote he wrote Octopus's Garden uh with the help of George Harrison like mm-hmm. Ringo had like the basic chord there's video of this where it's like Ringo's kind of plunking it out on the piano and George comes over and is like yeah you should do it this way and blah 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 mm-hmm. blah but mostly he didn't care about songwriting it's like you know yeah I just want to be the drummer. I like that's all he cared about. Any interview, it's like I just want to drum. And like, mm-hmm. if there's a song to sing, that's in my vocal. Like, and he also knew what his vocal range was. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not going to sing rock ballads. He's not going to sing crazy. Like, he's going to sing down the line country songs. You know, it's like they're going to put me in the movies. You know, like that type of you know, song. Uh, that type of song. He actually did sing. Uh, a song that the Beatles gave to the Rolling Stones as their first hit, which was I Want to Be Your Man. And uh, he sang, I think his version is way better than the Stones' version. Mm-hmm. But um, You just say that as a fan, though, probably. I mean, I do. And I also am very aware of my bias. Like, I'll defend Ringo mm-hmm. to the death. And From what like, you just told me about Ringo, I believe that he deserves defending and that he got cut a bad hand a little bit. It's just, it's really easy. It's like, it's the easy joke. It's like, yeah. you know, and I've made those jokes before. It's like, you can tell all of the Beatles personalities by some of their um, solo work songs, you know, where it's like, um, whereas uh, John's like, you know, uh, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Paul's mantra is, you know, like, love doesn't happen in a minute. Sometimes it doesn't happen at all. I only know that when I'm in it, it's not silly at all. George's mantra, if you don't know where you're going, any road can take you there. And then Ringo solo work, all I want to do is boogaloo. <laughs> that was perfect because I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that one is the easiest to remember of all of those. It really is. And it's, it's so true. All yeah. I do want to do is boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, but like, you know, there are obviously better drummers technically, mm-hmm. you know, with technical proficiency, whatever. But like, Ringo was a game changer. He innovated pop music. It's And none of them did it intentionally. Like, nobody, right. inno- nobody who innovates is like, I'm going to innovate this genre. It's just a matter of like, what needs to happen? You know, it's like, Ringo was a left-handed drummer who played a right-handed kit. So that in and of itself mm-hmm. changes the whole dynamic of how he plays. It I'm just now learning rhythm. that drum sets come in different hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, like talk about Jimi Hendrix. He played a uh, right-handed guitar upside down. So to mm-hmm. play it left-handed, yeah. that immediately changes the whole dynamic of how he plays. Well, wouldn't you learn to, okay, I'll have to ask a very stupid musical question. Bear with me. Yeah, no worries. Um, I just explained to you what the Muppets were. Everything's <laughs> on the table. <laughs> no. Okay. And I already see the error of asking this question. <laughs> um, wouldn't you, like, just because you're inclined, when you're born, let's say, right-handed, I'm inclined to use my right hand for stuff. But mm-hmm. for guitar or drums, you're using both hands anyway. It's a naturally ambidextrous task. So don't you just learn 
to do the thing that like right-handed people do with their right hand aren't you just learning to do that then with your right hand as a left-handed person because your left hand still has stuff to do right but it's um I mean I see what you're saying and it's not completely wrong and like you could probably but um well, with drugs, you're just holding like, sticks, and I'm just watering the well, shit out of this. But you're just holding a <laughs> well, stick. Well, it's in each it's hand. about um, it's about the strength of the hand, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, like this, uh, we'll just use this as an example. Like, mm-hmm. this is a right-handed, uh, right-handed ukulele, right? Uh huh. So my right hand is doing the rhythm, and it's doing most of the. Like, it's doing the yeah. work of playing. You might as well play something, because otherwise the people that are just listening to the audio are getting completely left out. <laughs> so, like, can you hear that? Mm-hmm. So, like, what I'm doing with the right hand is I'm just, like, it's strumming, it's doing the rhythm. Uh-huh. And what the left hand is, I'm only thinking about uh, where my fingers are going on the left hand, changing right. with guitar shapes. And so if I did it backwards on the left-handed guitar, like, it's a we- it's a weird thing for me to try to strum with my left hand because mm-hmm. it's it's the same thing as, like, writing with your left hand yeah. if you're right-handed or vice versa. Um, where it's, like, there are inclinations to right or left hand. Some people can play ambidextrously. Like, that's not... Yeah, because if you just learned that way in the first place, like, you know... Yeah, you, you have to. But there is a natural ease... When like, for me the right-handed guitar, it was just like that's mm-hmm. that's easy. You know the the right-handed drum set where you know I'm playing over here where the hi hats on my left side, mm-hmm. ride cymbals on uh, this side. You know versus doing this, it's like it's a whole different function. Got it. Um, but there are ambidextrous players that you can right. absolutely be ambidextrous. Just like like I'm right-handed, but I'm left-footed. Like I lead with my left foot and it's like, you know, it's, it's one of those sort of things where it's like some people are right-handed writing. Mm-hmm. Some people, uh, those people could also be left-handed playing, you know, it's right. like, it's, it's so many different things, but you know, that. Like I'm like that, a left-handed driver. Like I prefer to steer with my left hand. Okay. Yeah. I didn't mean to bring it back to cars. I'm just trying to like hey, stifling, siphoning no. through my head of activities that take both hands to do. Absolutely. And and um, taking it to cars, it's like you only use one foot to accelerate or decelerate. And it's like you have unless to. Unless you have a manual. Unless you have a manual, in which case you have to use both feet. But you all you know, like. Which is so crazy to. Have you driven a manual before? Yes, and isn't I, it wild to try to have to learn to move your left foot? Yeah, I didn't and you have to do it like with it. precision too. <laughs> like I you once have to release to... the clutch with such precision. I mean, it is like embarrassing when you're having to learn it. I was so frustrated. The way I had to learn it really was I had to drive from Oklahoma to Kansas because my friend was too tired to drive his car, mm-hmm. and he he had a manual, and I was like, I I don't. <laughs> have I don't have that experience yeah and it was luckily it was just highway the whole way you know it's like it's not like it I had to do a bunch of shifting but it's like right still stressful I was the only one who like could handle that that stress (laughs) there was like three other people they were like 
I can't. Nope, not gonna do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's like fine. I I literally have never driven. I mean, it's like, fine, and that's how I had to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like. It is a very weird sensation, but I think that, yeah. I mean, people that just only learn to drive that way and then stay driving that way, it's like they just have the skill set with the left foot now. Yeah, I was uh, a little upset with my uh, kindergarten teacher because mm-hmm. I was ambidextrous back then. Like, I oh. used both hands to write, and, and it was always legible. Mm-hmm. And then the kindergarten teacher's like, no, you have to pick. You have to choose. <laughs> Which well, hand are you gonna write with? <laughs> Which hand are you gonna write with? And then yeah. it was like, I guess the right. I don't know. And then in college, I broke my arm, and I had to learn how to do stuff with the left hand. You broke and the I'm right a arm. Little, uh, I'm a little better at it yeah. with my left hand now. But so, like when I'm playing piano or or something like that, I try to do uh, exercises where I'm like I'm working mm-hmm. on my left hand dexterity. And my hand independence, so I could do anything like either part with either hand, you know. It's yeah, like piano is also a really good example because that's something that's another two hand instrument situation. Right, but there's also like you do certain things with your right, the top keys that mm-hmm. you, you know, the left hand, the way the piano is set up is like the left hand is where the bass notes go. Mm-hmm. And you do the bass line, the bass clef, like rhythm section with the left hand, and you do the melody. Uh, chord progressions with the right hand mm. and so that you know I don't know how it would be different for left-handed people but I would imagine that it's maybe a little bit harder it's like writing on a writing on a right-handed desk you know yeah I get that it's like you know a left-handed person can use it it's just mm-hmm. a little uncomfortable yeah there's I guess there's left-handed scissors too yeah well, there should be everything, because isn't it like one out of every ten people? It's like pretty common. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I don't know the exact statistic, but I read that they live three years shorter than everybody else. Oh, why? Because yeah. they're accidentally stabbing themselves with the right hand. Because they just can't handle it. <laughs> they can't deal with it. They're the Ringos of um, people. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's unfortunate that they get the raw end of the deal, but. Irony of ironies, he will probably be the last beetle alive. Oh, yeah? Why do you say that? It's just because God has a sense of humor. That's why. <laughs> um, Take out John you around? Was, <laughs> what? I was going to ask. You're not going to ask me if I was around during the beetle. Like, I'm not that. No, no, no. I'm not that old, do you? <laughs> My question. My question is, um, where were you when Paul McCartney was at the improv? I was sitting... A foot away from him. What was that whole night like? Because I remember seeing it unfold on social media and it seemed pretty wild. It was great. It was insane. Um, I was there two out of the three nights that he was there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I wasn't there the night that he took all those bathroom pictures, which sounds <laughs> bad, but it was just like... No, that was a cool photo shoot. Were, I saw all those in, bathroom photos. Uh, fo- you know, Avery Pearson was there, Dane mm-hmm. Cook and um owen benjamin and uh i think omid singh got a picture with uh paul and uh you know all that stuff and so they were all in the bathroom and paul was taking pictures with them there's a really funny picture of uh judd apatow uh avery and paul standing in the bathroom stall together (laughs) and stuff like that and i just am like oh why couldn't i 
Why couldn't I have been there that night? Oh, I was there the two nights that he didn't take pictures? God uh-huh. damn it. But uh, what I did get to, I was there the first night he came, and that was an insane night because that was like the most star-studded lineup at the time. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, you know, it was like Rogan, Aziz, uh, Judd, uh, Jim Jeffries. Um, who else was there? Uh, you know. Host yeah, like this, all, all the massive celebrities, honors. you know, the celebrities. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just hanging out, and Paul came in. And did you he think was, you were like hallucinating? I mean, what is that? Here's what, here's what literally happened I walked in, and he was, he was actually there before I was. So mm-hmm. I walked in, and it was during the time when it was still the uh, the lab was the main bar, it was before it was the they moved bar. it back. I remember those years, yeah. And Rel Battle saw me from uh, the bar. He's like, Paul Dinger, come over here. And I was like, what's up? And he's like, Paul McCartney's here. I was like, no, he's not. <laughs> I was like, no, he's not. No, he's that's it. What a mean prank. Why, why would you say that to me? Mm-hmm. Why would you say that to me? <laughs> and he's like, he's right behind you, man. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, anybody who knows me knows that I'm a Beatles fan. So it's Mm -hmm. like, that would, of course, be the first thing that Ralph said to me. Yeah. And I turn around and there he is just standing there. (laughs) And I'm just like, what, what do I, what, what do I do? What do I do? What is, what am I, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do in this situation? It's like sweaty palms. How am I going to, how am I going to realize this dream? And... (laughs) The literally the week before I went to a screening of the movie Love and Mercy. Are you familiar with that movie? It's uh, is <laughs> a movie about Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. It's about the creation of Pet Sounds. Okay. I went to a screening of that at uh, the Academy of Motion Picture Sciences. I was able to get a ticket, and like everybody who ever played with the Beach Boys was there, which was awesome for me. Cause again, that's, that was another big band yeah. that I, I very much enjoyed and liked. And Brian Wilson was there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, to watch the screening and I got to meet Brian Wilson there and like shake his hand and like, and I was like, okay, so within, within this month, I'm meeting both Brian Wilson <laughs> and Paul McCartney. And it's like, Oh my God. <sighs> I got to at least talk, like, all I said to Brian Wilson was I shook his hand and I said, thank you. That's yeah. all I said. That's yeah. all I said. That's I couldn't perfect. Speak. That's all you need. And I, that's such I, a respectful interaction, too. I, you know, I didn't ask for a picture. I didn't ask. Yeah. I was just like, hey, Mr. Wilson, I, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and he just gave me one of these, okay, okay. That's very kind. Yeah. He has mental issues, but it's like, <laughs> um... Which is true. You can look into it later. We can do oh. a separate. We can do a separate episode on uh, on the Beach Boys, uh, yeah. which I feel like I just wasn't. Only... I laughed. <laughs> now I'm realizing I'm like I shouldn't laugh when you know he has mental issues, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I think was... I just laughed because I was not expecting that. I don't yeah, know no, anything it's... about him, and I was not expecting you to say that next. He so was he was beat to death by his dad, uh, and um, he was beat to death by his. I said deaf, deaf. He was beat oh. to death. Like he had, he had hearing loss uh, because his dad, as a child, would. He was, he was a, he was a bad man. He was oh, a bad God. man. He was a bad man. But um, yeah, sometimes I like to ask people like, who was the worst dad, Joe Jackson or Murray Wilson? 
uh, and I I always say I think uh, I think Murray Wilson was because Brian Wilson would have been Brian Wilson whether or not he was beaten to talent. Yeah. I think Michael Jackson had to be beaten to the prodigy that he was. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a horrible thing. Maybe. To say. Horrible thing to say, and I apologize to anybody who takes. I would takes throw, that's, to that. that could be a whole nother podcast. Bad dads. It it, it there are really some awful dads, yeah. awful dads, and Joe Jackson is one of the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, but so is Murray uh, Murray Wilson, who is Brian's dad. But um, but Brian Wilson was this, you know, was a musical genius and everything mm-hmm. like that, and. And uh, he had hearing loss because his dad would hit him whenever he hit a wrong note or whatever, wow. you know, like that sort of shit. Uh, my thing about the Beach Boys was like, I they're just as important as any other band from that era, like of the importance of rock and roll music. Mm-hmm. Their problem was the marketing, their name, the Beach Boys. Wait, why is that a marketing problem? Because they're so famous. They're very famous, but it, at the time. Mm-hmm. You have a group called the Beach Boys. If they come out with anything other than beach music, mm. they're like, what is this? This isn't the Beach Boys. Yeah. Whereas like the Beatles, that's not a genre of music. That's just the Be- The Beatles became their own genre. Right. Rolling Stones. Oh, the new Rolling Stones album is out. Mm-hmm. What is it this time? You know, like what, you know. Well, the they would doors, have to be rock and roll. Rolling, roll. Sure. The, the Stones were a country blues band that, played some rock and roll, but um, yes, they could have gone any direction. They had a bunch of different genre type music. Whenever the Beach Boys came out with anything non surfing related, yeah, it was a pretty big flop. Even though years later, Pet Sounds is considered one of the greatest albums of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, they have such an interesting, this is such a tangent, but they're tied up with um, Charles Manson. Yes. Yes, so they that are. to me is like so <laughs> fascinating. That whole part of that era is so wild to me. And I don't That's know insane. which one, but one of the Beach Boys has this incredible property in Big Sur mm-hmm. that actually um, is like one of the only houses down this narrow path that ends at a beach. Yeah. yeah. So that's my uh, <laughs> knowledge is that I have driven by that property a couple times. It's important. I mean, that's that's 100 percent true. But and the thing is, like the Beach Boys were the true musical rivals of the Beatles. Like they mm-hmm. would, you know, the media rival, of course, was the Rolling Stones, but they were never really in competition, musically speaking. Like the right, and to me, the, the, like when I picture them, I picture the Rolling Stones as like a little bit after, a little like us, like a second after. They were mm-hmm. they were really the same. They were, they were really the same time. I mean, I don't the know Beatles why got... I affiliate Rolling Stones as being after. Uh, maybe well, they got maybe because Mick Jagger's still around. Mick ja- I mean, most of the Stones are still around. Keith Richards and Mick Jagger are both still around. Yeah, um, that makes me feel like they're younger. <laughs> but they are. Um, they got famous afterwards. So okay. like they, the world, the British invasion happened mm-hmm. because of the Beatles. So the Beatles were the forefront, and so right. everybody that came after them. And like the Stones were marketed as the anti-Beatles, mm-hmm. the, the the British rock pop group that wasn't dressed in suits and mop tops and all that stuff and mm-hmm. they were they were the anti-beatles and then when the who came along who were also in that same era they were right they weren't the anti-stones they were the anti-anti-beatles because they were mm-hmm. even more hardcore than the stones you know, and then zeppelin was like 
yeah, this is yeah. really heavy. You know, it's like that sort of stuff. And that, that went gets down even that. more like in nitty gritty. Exactly. And, uh, and so there's a lot of, but it all starts with the Beatles, <laughs> um, which all starts with uh, everything that led up to the Beatles and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There's, nobody's a singular entity on up and on un, unto themselves. Mm-hmm. But um, what was I saying? What what was this tangent off of? <laughs> um, it was about Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson. Oh, meeting Paul McCartney. Yes. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I met. Brian Wilson, like a week earlier, he said mm-hmm. thank you, and that's all I said, and I walked off, and I was like, I, I got to do that with Paul too. I have to, I have to at least shake his hand. I uh-huh. have to just say something. I, this is like, whatever. And this is actually when I bonded with Judd Apatow for like the for real. Mm-hmm. Like I'd always seen him at the clubs, and like we got along fine. But it was when Paul came it in. Take someone like Paul McCartney to level someone. The great, like e- right? The great equalizer. Yes. When you are in a room with, with a someone Beatle, that famous, you are. There is no other. It is Beatle. Mm-hmm. Everybody else. Everybody else. That exactly. Is, it doesn't matter if you are the king of Hollywood mm-hmm. or an open micer. Once Paul McCartney walks into a room, you are all not a Beatle. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's true. What it is, you know, and and Paul walks in and like I make I walk what's over. What's he wearing? To, like, what's his vibe? Who's he with? Uh, he's very he's very skinny. Uh-huh. He's a vegetarian, so okay. he's very like brittle. Um, but I'm not saying you just, you just all roasted veg- all the vegetarian. <laughs> You're like, he's a vegetarian, so he didn't look healthy anyway. Well, no, he looked well. Here's the thing. He's very tiny. Mm-hmm. He's very like skinny and Brit. Like, well, that's probably his age. And it's his definitely British his age. age has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I that was a joke about vegetarians. Uh, you know, don't <laughs> don't have me. I know, me like people. I've uh, I've I've eaten salads before. I get yeah. it. It's good. I don't endorse and, this. <laughs> you know, I you you do you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that's he looks thin. He looked thin, and but like bopping around, like oh, uh, that was a nice joke there. Oh, you know, I'm just going to the loo. Oh, oh, you know, all that stuff. Like, ooh, yeah. was he with like a giant? Did he no. have like a posse with him? No, not at all. He was alone. He, he walked was alone. In alone, both times. What? Both times he walked in and what? out alone. That's alone. the most crazy part. He was not even Insane. with one other person insane but that goes to your point where it's like there's probably a lot of people who didn't know who he was wow because they're not in the zeitgeist anymore you yeah. know it's like all those comments and a lot of them probably were like fake and bots or whatever but when he did mm-hmm. that collaboration with kanye and people were like man whoever that old guy is kanye is putting him on the map <laughs> <laughs> you know but as wow. i always you know it's like uh <laughs> I tweeted out when that when that collaboration happened. It's like they were getting along, they were getting along great until Paul said that the Beatles were bigger than Jesus, mm-hmm. um, which is a joke because the Beatles got into big trouble when back in the '60s John Lennon said the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. <laughs> there you go. There's a little history for you. I love people, that. People burned Beatles records, man. Yeah. They they did not like 
having John say that a fact of the matter is that the Beatles currently, right now, are more popular than Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which just happened to be true. Yeah. Um, I don't know when the last time Jesus had a hit record, but it certainly wasn't back then. Um, <laughs> He's got a great book. You can listen to it on Audible. <laughs> is it great? It's long. I don't know. Much it's like long. every movie you listed, I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We're going to get in so much trouble for this. No, we're not. I have eight <laughs> listeners. <laughs> hey, but if even one of those listeners is either a huge fan mm-hmm. of, of Jesus, Jesus or a huge a fan of a, a, a vegetarian, this is going to blow up and I'm we're going to get canceled. I'm going to get canceled. You're going to be like, can you believe this person sabotaged Galena's podcast and spouted his hate rhetoric. And then they're going to be like fucking Jew. And Listen, they're like, ha, anti-Semite. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to wait until this, like the pinnacle of this podcast would be to get like Vin Diesel on it or something. And Absolutely. then once that happens, I'll just say all the bad words all at the same time. <laughs> I'll be like, that's it. I'm done. That's and all the career just... I wanted to have. Yeah, because Vin Diesel, he was Groot, right? That's why you want him on? Because he's what? He was he was the voice of Groot, right? That's the only reason, that's why, that's why you want him on? The voice of who? <laughs> what is this? What? <laughs> I was making a joke because obviously he was in the Fast and the Furious franchise, <laughs> but I called him by his voiceover credit, which was in the Marvel movie Guardians of the Galaxy as the character of Groot. Never saw it. <laughs> of his lines were I am Groot <laughs> except for one part where he said we are Groot but whatevs <laughs> of course I hadn't seen it anyway of course, back of course to Paul not McCartney it's okay improv. back to Paul McCartney of the improv so I go over Judd makes eye contact with me I make and we both know exactly what we're both thinking it's like mm-hmm. we gotta meet Paul we gotta meet Paul like and mm-hmm. he comes up to me and he's like do I just go up to him? I mean, I have all of his, like, I've put so many of his music in my movies. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't relate to that. But, like, I have all of his albums. And, like, <laughs> I, I mean, if anybody has a chance to, like, talk to him, mm-hmm. like, for real, it'd probably be you. Yeah. But I'm going to I'm gonna be right there next to you. <laughs> gonna I can't be... believe he's by himself. Yeah, it was shocking. That he, but he sat in the corner. He sat, It was during Comedy Juice mm-hmm. uh, on a Wednesday night. And I, you know, he talked to Judd for a little bit. Um, and I just kind of like tapped him on the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, Paul, thank you. And he's like, all oh, right, right. <laughs> Your hero said right, right to you. Right, right, that. right. <laughs> and then that was the only interaction I had with him that night. He went to the bathroom. And went. That's enough for like, a lifetime. That though. was enough. That would have been enough for a lifetime. Yeah. And because he was in town to play Dodger Stadium, which mm. I couldn't get tickets to, and yeah. people were making fun of me for that. Uh-huh. And then I was like, "Oh, really? I fucking <laughs> met him, ha!" Um, Does he live in London? I'm sure he has a house there. I think. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know where he lit. Like, I know the history. I don't know current <laughs> stuff yeah, about him. Um, but uh, then. That would have been enough, right? That would have been enough. Uh, then I was there on a Tuesday night, the next Tuesday, and it was like half full. 
like this, you know, comedy just was packed and it was like mm-hmm. a huge night. Everybody was there. It was like classic comedy juice night. And then the next Tuesday was just kind of like the, it was half full. It was still a good lineup, but just was like, you know, yeah, those a calm night. quiet, quiet nights, Tuesday night at the improv. And he walks in again <laughs> alone. This is like almost a week later. This is a week later and wow. he walks in again. And I'm sitting in the back booth of the improv. Mm-hmm. Jim Jeffries is on stage telling anal sex jokes. Mm-hmm. And Paul sits down right next to me. Oh, my God. And we just are laughing at Jim <laughs> Jeffries <laughs> together. That's insane. I would and die. How can you even focus on Jim Jeffries still? I wasn't. But yeah. I was laughing both because I was giddy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't like. He's watching the show. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be that guy's like, hey Paul, yeah. I know you're in here trying to. What I'm gonna talk to you right now because right, no. he would just get up and go sit somewhere else. Exactly. I'm gonna sit next to Paul and we're gonna watch Jim Jeffries. Mm-hmm. And when he gets up, I'll wait a few minutes and then I'll get up. <laughs> <laughs> Just so he doesn't think I'm trying to follow him. Uh-huh. And that's exactly what happened. We watched, and then he the end of the show happened. He got up, left. A few minutes later, I got up. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I just sat and watched a show next to and with Paul McCartney. I am good uh, for the rest of my life. Yeah. That was until... I mean, he uh, left pretty quickly after that. Um, I walked out the same way he walked out. Mm-hmm. But he like I saw him walk out into the patio area oh, okay. like, to leave. And it was mm-hmm. like, I just, was like, I, I checked outside. I was like, oh, okay, he's gone. All right, that's fine. By himself again? By himself, completely that's alone. Insane. That is like maddening to me that someone that famous would just insane. like out on their own. Especially because of what happened to John, you know, outside the yard, just yeah. two in the back of the head. Silly. Done. Awful. But he like... It was a dead night. It's not, you know. I'm sure that he had like, I'm sure there was probably like Secret Service around him that I just couldn't see, <laughs> like just like swatting him. Someone but that famous just from, going out in from, public. From my perspective, he was completely, you know, like there was nobody around him. He wasn't surrounded mm-hmm. by anybody. Yeah. Um, it just blows my mind anytime it's like an i i mean we're talking about an icon yeah. and the fact that he you know just happens to be like also a frail old man yeah yeah and then the third time he visited was like 2 days later on like Thursday and i wasn't i i didn't i was at like a different show i went mm-hmm. i was performing <laughs> i couldn't yeah. go to hang out at the improv and that was the night he took all those bathroom pictures and i was just like <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh. Um, but that was like it was insane. It was insane. It was like I don't believe that it happened, but it did. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Stephen Kramer Glickman was there. We were like going crazy about it. Like we were talking yeah. about it as well. Just like it's insane. It's insane that he's just here. What an amazing um, moment! Like to yeah. have that as an adult and to have it be like tied in with had you not been doing comedy, you wouldn't have ended up in the same room with him. And truth be told, like this is, 
one of those uh like if you will it it is no dream things mm-hmm. you know um when i first started comedy in la i had written this like goals things and one of the goals was to meet paul mccartney mm-hmm. <laughs> like there you go I, I knew how I was going to do it. I was going to get in with people who worked at SNL. I was going to mm-hmm. get on SNL. I was going to meet Lauren Michaels, who knew Paul McCartney. And I was going to have Lauren introduce me to Paul McCartney. That was the, <laughs> that was, that was the, that was the through yeah. line. That was the order of operations. That was the order of operations. But it was like, you know, obviously, uh, still could happen. Yeah. Uh, but it was like one of those moments where it was like, oh, my God. Oh my God! I can't believe that I met Paul McCartney, and uh, it was it was just a it was a great great moment, and it was like I had met Brian Wilson a week earlier, mm-hmm. and it was just like these music icons. Yeah, you know, like I know that like there are people who are friends with like Sean Lennon and Julian Lennon that I know, and and Jacob Dylan and like all these people who are like sons of the icons and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and it's like but that's oh man. Different. It's different, but it's also like it's you know it's, it's still royal, royalty, but it's different. It's still royalty, you know. So they're they're friend they're friends with the princes, mm-hmm. and it's like oh man, that would be awesome to know them and you know hear stuff from their perspective. Yeah. But also, I know that that wouldn't be something they would want to talk about. That right. I wouldn't, you know. It's like that's all anybody wants to talk to them. They about. don't want to talk about their dads. They they want to be friends with you know yeah normal people, and like I can be normal. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> It's, I, I wish you would say for self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> I can be normal. I can be normal. I can be normal. I can be... Like, I was able to sit next to Paul and pay attention to a Jim Jeffries set. I could handle Jacob Dylan. You know, I could handle... It really is a really huge deal, though, because I have been in those situations where it's just like, oh, I can't even function. I can't think straight just being so starstruck. Were, when was the first time you were starstruck? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that I can remember the first time, but probably one that like sticks out in my mind is I met um, Denzel Washington at wow. work one time. Okay. And just the way that he interacted me- with me was just like so silly. And I was not, ex- I had like offered him a water and he went, nah, you'll put something in it. <laughs> not expecting anything like and it just it threw me for such a loop and it took me so long like if any other person had that interaction with me I would have been on the ball I would have understood what was going on but because it was him and because it was so unexpected my brain started short-circuiting and I was just like what just happened (laughs) what did he just say to me yeah no I um I had that so the first time I was ever started and truth be told like as amazed as I was to see and be around Paul McCartney, mm-hmm. I don't think it was too, like, I don't think I was starstruck. It was yeah. something different. It was like, I can't believe this is happening, but I wasn't like too st- starstruck. You to go like, into shock the way that you would if like your leg just got cut off or something. I mean, not quite like that, but it's right. a shock where you're like, you can't even process that it's going on right. while it was, it's happening. It was not real. It was like, Oh, so I'm just, life is just happening to me right now. Uh-huh. Like, I'm just going around for the ride, and I'm just going to let whatever happens, happens. I'm not actually in control of this situation. Um, 
the first time that I was truly starstruck surprised the shit out of me because I did not expect it. Because mm-hmm. um, I had at the, I was probably four or five years into comedy, and I had met pretty much everybody mm-hmm. that was famous when I was a kid and had done shows with them and yeah. like, and I was always able to talk and be colleagues with everybody. Like it wasn't a big deal. It was like, yeah, we're, as soon as we're on the same lineup, it, there's no more levels that mm-hmm. it's just like, if you're on a showcase lineup, everybody has an equal shot of doing great and doing poorly. That's just the way it is. Um, but then I met Dave Foley. And if you don't know who Dave Foley is, he was on Kids in the Hall. <laughs> he was on news radio. Hilarious, hilarious comedian and actor. Okay. Um, and My American references don't start until 94. <laughs> just... That's fine. I think that, I mean, Kids in the Hall was on in the mid-90s. Oh, okay. Uh, another Lauren Michaels produced Mm-hmm. sketch show with uh, I bet if I saw Foley. his face you don't well, if you saw I, him. you keep talking and I'm gonna look him up and okay. then I'll be like oh I know who that is <laughs> um Dave Foley he was just a big part of my comedic childhood like he was oh just, I know who that is yeah. yeah he was on news radio which was one of my favorite shows and if you haven't seen news radio I highly recommend it mm. it's got one of the best pilots of all time and okay. the series is amazing Dave Foley uh uh, Stephen Root, Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. uh, Andy Dick, Phil Hartman, uh, The Works. Um, just an all-star cast. Uh, R.I.P. And of course I wouldn't know who Phil Hartman was if I didn't know about the awful murder. Yes, yes. <laughs> As a true was... crime fan, that's that's where things go. <laughs> I love how you know Phil Hartman. <laughs> I love how you know Phil Hartman because of true crime and not because of <laughs> legendary comedy work. <laughs> like the voice of Troy McClure, the, the voice of uh, uh, Lionel Hutz. Uh, SNL, a legendary SNL cast member. Listen, uh, I would have known all of the Muppets if they had been brutally murdered. <laughs> incredible. Just incredible. I love that. That's I have amazing. such tunnel vision in life. <laughs> so many people, like, so many people don't think they do, but, you know, we all have our tunnel vision. Like, yeah. I see oh, no, I'm aware of mine. I see everything through the tunnel vision of the Beatles, mm-hmm. all my, like, so musically, <laughs> everything I know about music, mm-hmm. I look, I learn through the lens of how it relates to the Beatles. Okay. So it's like, the reason I know so much about other musicians and bands mm-hmm. from the 60s and 70s is because of how the Beatles influenced, like, mm-hmm. why they are this way is because the Beatles did this, and why, and the, and like, from the 50s and the 40s and stuff like that, it's like, this is what influenced the Beatles to do this, mm-hmm. and like, all that stuff, and it's like, during this time period, in jazz and blues and R&B, this was happening, which in, you know, like, all that stuff, and it's like, while Sgt. Pepper was the first concept album in popular music, Sun Ra was doing all of that stuff in jazz and fusion and all that stuff. It was happening in this area of the music uh, demo, in, you know, like, all that stuff, but it was all because I wanted to know more about the Beatles and how... They got their influences where it came from and how their influences influenced other people to make more innovations. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's very similar. It's like, I think that I can say, 
how am I trying to put this so it doesn't sound totally crazy? <laughs> but like, I can relate to the fandom of it because I have yeah. my things that I'm like that obsessed with and right. that into and can't get enough of. And categorically, it's like a whole bunch of, I, I don't think there's like specifically one thing where I'm like, oh my God, I know everything about, I wouldn't even say I know everything about Fast and the Furious because I'm, I probably I know a lot, but at the same yeah. time, um, there's people that are way more into it than I am that like absolutely went to the service when um, Paul Walker died. They yeah. like, I haven't even been to the house in LA that like is the, their house, which I'm yeah. kind of waiting to like meet the right person romantically and have him take me there and propose to me in front of the building. Just saying. That. That's, um, that's your, uh, that's your <laughs> uh, proposal at, uh, uh, what's yeah. it called? At SeaWorld where the dolphins. That's my SeaWorld. Yeah, that's <laughs> with, SeaWorld. with no abused animals, but just yeah. like one very confused family that lives in that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably some abused animals but, yeah but I have uh, that thing of where I'm I like get so excited about those things yeah. and, and where I wouldn't ask gatekeeping type questions right. I just get so stoked at the prospect that like somebody could be as passionate about something as I right. can and and it's a few things it's like true crime it, it can be cars it can be like a whole number of things that I'm like, I'm not an expert in any one, but I like love all of them so much. And that's the thing for me. It's like, I know a lot about the Beatles, but I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of every date and time. And Mm -hmm. like, I I have some of those. I have some of that. I have, I, I haven't, I don't think I've written any of it down. Uh, I have some of that. I have like dates and, and like, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But there are people like, cause I, did a deep dive on the Beatles on uh, Jackie Cation's uh, uh, podcast, Dork Forest, where I went through. And at the end of the hour and a half, I was like, no, we only got to 1966. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. But like, cause she didn't know anything about the Beatles, which is yeah. one of those things that is mind blowing to me because it took me down this path of like, Oh, are things that I think are common knowledge mm-hmm not common knowledge like in my mind a thousand percent just the fact that you're like it's the most popular band in the world i'm like yeah 50 years ago well but also in 2009 they were the number one best-selling band in america in in the world you know it's like they're not just they're like they are i wouldn't have they're still most popular they're still one of the most popular bands in the world Mm. just not uh they're obviously not innovative anymore (laughs) they're, they're not putting out new music they're not doing any of that stuff but like and we'll also uh, how many of their um people that are super huge fans aside from you are people that are in like a right high risk age group for covid most most of them are you know mm-hmm. like there and there's plenty of people who are my age and younger who are getting into the beatles and love right. the beatles and and when i did uh jackie's podcast and i you know said some information that I got some dates mixed up and some like just a few in- information a Did little bit wrong. Did people come for you in the comments? Not come for me, like not attacking, mm-hmm. but like, hey, just letting you know, mm-hmm. this actually happened in 1958. Wow. And they were doing this and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And when I read it, I was like, yeah, that is right. That I, mm-hmm. I did get that uh, yeah. wrong. But when I read it, I was like, yeah, I knew that. But I <laughs> guess I didn't say it correctly, you know, um, because I just, you know, jumbled up. But... Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where it's like, I am out of that gatekeeper phase, like completely, where mm-hmm. it's like, now when somebody says, I love the Beatles, that just makes me happy. I'm like, good. I'm really, I'm really glad. Should. 
And and that's what it should be because gatekeeper fans are the worst. And yeah. I see that as a former gatekeeper fan. And it's one of those things where it's like you have to just let people like what they like. And if they don't like something, that's okay too. If they or don't if they like don't something like it as, as much as you. Yeah, as much yeah. as you, that's fine. You just have to like be okay with it. Mm-hmm. It's like them not liking something is not a personal attack on you. Right. That's the other thing. And it's like, don't you got to get to like an emotional stability in your own life. Don't have people that went to attack the grocery store. Don't feel that way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I I, don't have fandom be a competition like amongst your own fans, like Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans go at it with each other. Because they're sucking the joy out of it for other people that just want to be like, I want to be excited about Star Wars with you. And you're not letting me because I don't know what year. Yoda did the whatever he did. I don't know. Exactly. Haven't seen any of the Star Wars movies. Are we That's surprised? Fine. Have you listened to the podcast yet? You should know. Of course, <laughs> I haven't seen it. If you've listened this far, duh. Of course, I haven't. Hilarious. Seen it. <laughs> but it's like, but that's the other thing. And the other thing people try to do to Beatles fans specifically is to try to get them to hate on the other music. Like, mm. like when I said like I like the Beatles, and they go like, I always like the Stones better. It's like okay, okay. You can like both. Like it doesn't like yeah. What? It doesn't have to be one or the other. They're not mutually exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive. They liked each other. You yeah. know, they they had a friendly rivalry, like mm-hmm. most m- musicians, comedians all do. Where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we gotta up our game because this just came out and this is great. Okay, I gotta start working. I gotta you know like, it's that friendly rivalry, but um. It is always funny hearing people like uh, compare the two because John Lennon would say shit like, you know, when because the Beatles did give the Stones their first number one hit in the UK, which is "I Want to Be Your Man." When asked about it, John just goes like, "Well, yeah, we weren't going to give them anything good, were we?" <laughs> oh, savage. <laughs> John was a prick, but uh, <laughs> he was an asshole. Uh, but also he worked on himself up until, you know, he took, he retired in 75 to try to fix all of his demons and problems Mm. and go on this kind of like, I'm sorry, like mental health, uh, be a stay at home dad, Mm -hmm. uh, be better to, you know, everybody tour. And he was just starting to come back. Then he got shot, but you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, it's it's this thing where it's like fandom is fandom is insane and I don't it's very toxic if you get <laughs> It can be. Yeah, I think that that's a good way to look at it and you got to also observe yourself doing it and catch yourself doing it and be like if I'm just trying to ask these questions or be this aggressive or this like territorial with a thing that I really love, aren't I sucking the joy out of it for not only the other people, but for yourself, you're sucking the joy out of it by like not letting other people come in and share it with you and be like, yeah, this is really cool. This is really great music or great movie. Like let's talk about how great it is instead of just sucking all the joy out of the room. Because a lot of times what happens is like, when you ask those test questions, you, you force people into trying to think of what the right answer should be. Like, yeah, there is, like, like there's a right answer. Yeah. As if there's a right answer. It's like, well, I want to seem cool mm-hmm. and I want to seem like I know shit. So I'm going to say that my favorite album is the white album because that's like 
their that's what the cool bits ones. down, and that's what the cool ones are. And even if you don't know more about it, or or if your mm. real favorite is, you know, if your real favorite is a Hard Day's Night, that album, you know, or the early stuff, or whatever it is, you know, it's like, it's okay. Whatever it is, it's good. Like whatever you like, like it, and mm-hmm. be unapologetic about what you like. Don't make other people feel shitty about things that they like, even if they don't like it, quote, as much as you do. Because mm-hmm. you don't know that either. Yeah, you don't. You don't know what's going on in their brains. Yeah. Well, that's, I feel like we should, uh, we should end it there. That's such a good, positive, like, piece of advice for people to take away. Because yeah. I think, like, there's a lot of um, stuff that we can get into yeah, um, absolutely. Like, there's new things coming out always for people to get excited and passionate 100%. And, and fall in love with and be fans of and, you know, let it be a lesson to let us. Let it be ah! a lesson. Very good. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. Speaking if of... You didn't do that on purpose, but I'll oh, take it. I'll take the credit. There's, and speaking of, check out the new trailer for the new uh, recut of the Let It Be movie by Peter Jackson. That's coming out next year. Okay, it's going to be awesome. Cool. The, uh, it's called uh, Get Back, which mm-hmm. was actually the original title of the Let It Be album. Um, but it's like the first movie, Let It Be, was basically a documentary about kind of the Beatles creating an album. Mm-hmm. And it was the last one that was released, uh, the, second, uh, the last one that was recorded, but the second to last one that was released. Um, and it basically shows the breakup of the Beatles. Mm. It's like, it shows the tension. It shows, like, their animosity towards each other. Just, like, that they're sick of each other and all that stuff. That's what the original kind of shows. It's mm-hmm. like, it's fun when they're playing, but it's yeah. like, you can tell that they're just, like, over each other. In the movie, Let It Be. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a part where George and Paul are talking, and George is like, look, I'll play what you want me to play, or I won't play at all if you don't want me to play. Whatever you want... I'll play whatever it is, you know, just super yeah. passive aggressive, just, just like exhausted, like siblings fighting. And it's just mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, they, they do not like each other right yeah. now. They are so on each other. I'm an only child. So can't relate. Um. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> just like your good, good friend. Like if you've ever lived with a group of people mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, there's moments where it's like, you yeah, son of a bitch, you know, exactly oh, no, I just what said you're that doing. to be like negative and non-relatable. <laughs> <laughs> can I say right now to completely go against the advice that we've been giving for the last half hour? I'm an only child. Why don't you say something that I can? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But in this new, but there's like 56 hours of footage. Oh, wow. Okay. 56 hours of footage. And so Peter Jackson is going through all that stuff and recutting it. And mm-hmm. I saw the trailer and it's like, oh, he found all the footage that makes it seem that they like each other. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like, oh, there's hope for this friend group. <laughs> Oh, that's great. And so like, I'm really excited to see it because mm-hmm. I'm always excited to new, see new stuff that I haven't seen before about the Beatles and, mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. So this is a unsolicited plug for the new movie. I'm not getting paid at all for it. Uh, not that's that I... awesome. It's nice that you can like something that hasn't been around in so long and you can still be yeah. stumbling upon like new information. Yeah, and it's not even like it's new, but it's like... It's new to you. It's new to, it's new to me and it's just like... Footage that you haven't seen before. I love, mm-hmm. I have so much bootleg Beatles tracks where they're playing like songs that they never made, made it to the album. Like um, there's a lot of stuff, like George's first solo album, mm-hmm. All Things Must Pass, was just basically filled with songs that 
didn't make the cut of the Beatles albums, like the last mm-hmm. few Beatles albums. And I have versions of those songs where the Beatles are like rehearsing them. And it's like, it's so cool to hear that, you know, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Hearing oh, those yeah. Beatles harmonies and all that stuff. I can imagine. I think a lot of the, I think a lot, uh, nice. I can imagine. Oh. John Lennon. Is that? Uh, now I feel I like you're looking I for it. <laughs> I, I, did, I did look for that one. I was like, I could let that go, but uh, I could let, let go. That, I could let that Gail Godot, but I will not. Huh? Imagine, ruined it, somebody did, and I uh, can never listen to it ever again, which is sad for me, but mm-hmm. that's okay. Uh, did you see Wonder Woman 84? Not yet. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I might as well just add it to the list of movies I've never seen. Yeah, it's fine. It, it, it's fine that you didn't see it. Uh, don't go out of your way. <laughs> Not that you would have to, because it's streaming on to. HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, so you really do, you have you'd have to go out of your way to not go out of your way to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say do that. Um, but yeah, it's just like it's fun to have new stuff coming at you, which is nice. It is. Well, thank you for educating me. I learned so much. <laughs> I did. I don't mean for that to sound um The Muppets, sarcastic. the Beatles, fandom mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. Don't be a gatekeeper fan, guys yes. and girls. And yeah, that's our take in between the spectrum. Whatever you identify as, however you feel, whatever is in your heart, let it be open to being accepting of other people who like things that you like mm-hmm. and not be a judger on the level that they like it at. I love that. Yeah. So where can people find you? I'm at Jeff Baldinger on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, at Jeffrey Baldinger on TikTok. Um, you joined TikTok? I this did join cool. TikTok. Yes. I did join TikTok. All right. and Guys, I find him am, on TikTok. Let's get him addicted. Let's, let's, let's pump it up. I'm not popular on that app right now. <laughs> you will be. Just wait. I, I uh, yeah, so... Uh, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-B-A-L-D-I-N-G-E-R. Um, and yeah, that's uh, at Jeff Baldinger on Twitter and Instagram. That's where you can find me and at Jeffrey Baldinger on TikTok. Uh, and JeffreyBaldinger.net is my website where I put all my shows that aren't happening anymore because of the pandemic. But whenever there is one, uh, well, I actually do have a Zoom show on January 31st, but it's a private event, so you can't go, even if you wanted to. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And um, thank you for having me. This is really, really. I really fun. enjoyed it. I yeah. learned a lot. And um, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Um, this has been Podcast and Curious with me. And uh, stay curious. <laughs>